Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Culture, and CEO of Luminous Strategy, Keith Begis. Hey, what you drink? Oh my gosh! How, how did you, how did you learn that? You, you've had a, uh, you, you're in a kind of an interesting situation where I'm, I'm sure you have leveraged that when you were on your way up. And then you've had the opportunity to be on the other side where you were the one in the room advocating for others. So how did you learn that principle to be uh, as true as it is? I saw it at work. No pun intended. Okay, pun intended. I saw it at work, (laughs) at work, right? But yeah, I saw it being practiced. And maybe it has a little bit to do with the fact that I think I understand people pretty well. And this is not just a lesson that you learn in business. This is what you learn in life. You just watch. Watch how deals get done, right? Watch how people move into positions. Watch how people are favored. And you'll see ultimately there's a person somewhere who opened a door, who made it happen, who phoned a friend of a friend, who dropped the name, who said, have you thought about Galen, right? It it happens all the time. So if we're observant, we see that it's before us all the time. Now, unfortunately, sometimes in corporate settings, some would like others to believe that the formal processes are what really lead to the decision-making. I'm not suggesting they don't contribute. I'm not here to suggest that that they are not in place, true in fact. What I'm here to say is people relationships trumps them. And I have been on the other side in the C-suite where the conversation began around a new position we were going to create, a new role we were going to create, and a conversation about the three or four people who the CEO had in mind, right? And the CEO comes in the room to test the hypothesis with the senior leadership team. That's before the meeting starts, before we do the people review, right? Because the CEO has already decided that, you know, a certain person probably is a good fit and wants validation. And that's when, you know, that's when Galen's, this is your opportunity because the CEO will say, well, I've been thinking about this. What about Galen? And I say, this is the day that Galen's career is going to be solidified at this place. Because one of three things are going to happen when the CEO turns to the kitchen cabinet, right? And says, what about Galen? Right? That's when the world stops and pauses for a minute. A, one, one confidant of the CEO will step up and say, oh, Galen, absolutely. That's going to make your career. Or one of the confidants, the CEO will say, you know, well, that's when Galen's career is about to start to slide, right? 
or the CEO asks, nobody says anything. There is silence. And then maybe somebody will eke out a Galen who? And I just believe that there are a lot of careers that have been advanced, stalled or paused or killed in countless conversations like that. That's the reality. And then, of course, sometimes once we've decided that Galen's the person, then you get HR involved, you get the position description, right? You interview a diverse slate of candidates, right? And, you know, and it's not like that all the time, but probably more times than some would be willing to admit because they already decided Galen's going to get this job. Yeah. So I just it's just a representation of the way the world works, the way people work. People make decisions based on recommendations for people that they know and trust. And that is more powerful than any resume and any references from people you don't know. Why? Because we're human beings. Why do you see so many leaders leave and go to a new organization and take their people with them? And people follow them because they trust them. They have experience with them. They don't have to know the industry. They don't have to know the function sometimes, right? right? But they have a relationship. Yeah, Th- those things can be learned, but trust can either accelerate or trust can stall performance. Because if I'm the leader, I've got to have people around who I know uh, at least won't sabotage what I'm trying to do. Uh, but hopefully have my best interest at heart. Oh my gosh. So guys, this is the kind of insight (laughs) that Keith was giving in the first 60 minutes of my meeting him. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to write that down. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. So, hey, before we get too deep into this conversation, you know, we got to get to the promise that I have made with this podcast around the connection between whiskey, jazz, and leadership. And I, I know with you being a, a Memphis dude that you've you've got you've got the you got the music chops. You know, David Sanborn, good St. Louis guy, one of your favorites. But what is the connection? In in my mind, it connects pretty easily. Whiskey is about doing what you enjoy with the folks who enjoyed with you regardless of what other people say. So basically your crew, feeling comfortable with your crew. For me, jazz, the metaphor is about how do you get from where you are to where you need to be, even when there's no sheet music in front of you. You still have to get there on time. You got to get there in key. And since it's important that you might as well make it sound sound nice. And for me, the metaphor of leadership is this idea that Strategies really, really nice. Marketing is important, but at the end of the day, nobody eats unless somebody kills something. Someone needs to stand up and say, we're going to go left unless we get better ideas, or we're going to go right. Who thinks that that's a different, that that's a bad idea? But someone needs to stand up and say, we're going to make this thing happen uh, before anything happens. And so for me, in my mind, those three things connect. Uh, but I thought I would ask the professor, <laughs> you know, the the business professor, the actual board member, the C-suite executive, 
Do those three things connect? And if so, how? Yeah, you know, actually they, they do. And I like that metaphor of, you know, whiskey, jazz and leadership, you know, and thinking about how to connect that to my, you know, my philosophy for, for success. You know, this concept of a, of a favorite drink, root beer in my case, right? So, you know, and, and how it helps to create this environment man, for reflection and relaxation. So when you got it here in the glass, you know, and you're sipping on it and, and you're creating this environment, at least as I think about it, for, you know, reflection and relaxation. It puts you in this state of mind, in this state of being, which is very important for leaders. There needs to be a time for reflection and relaxation and a little bit of separating you from the cares of the day or the world, right? And then when you add to that jazz music, and as you mentioned, I'm a David Sanborn fan and have been forever. And I think about jazz, again, being from Music City, from Memphis, Jazz is the ultimate expression for me of improvisation. And it's also about creativity. When you listen to jazz music and you try to follow it along, you see that, and and to know there's no sheet and the improvisations going on, and then the creativity, it allows for individual creativity to take the piece to a whole nother level, mm. right? And then to be impactful. And so when I think about its connection to leadership, leadership is all about impact, right? Effective leadership is about impact, right? In fact, you know, I taught a leadership course in the full-time MBA program at the University of North Carolina, uh, Keenan Flagler Business School, the course entitled Elected Leaders. And it was a leadership course for the members of the MBA class who were elected or appointed to leadership roles in the program, right? So if you were president of the Venture Capital Club, if you were the MBA Student Association president, you know, et cetera, right? And uh, the article that I used as the core for the course is an article by John P. Cotter, who is the Harvard professor uh, and consultant, now retired and an emeritus professor at HBR and HB and Harvard Business School. And this article, I suggest everyone read it. The article is entitled "What Leaders Really Do." What leaders really do. And I, what I love about it, and I think, you know, that this philosophy that the metaphor of whiskey, jazz, and leadership really underscores is at the end of the day, it is not about leadership. At the end of the day, it is about what that leader needs to do to get outcomes. And what leaders really do is to get results through others, period end of discussion. And he goes on to talk about the three things that leaders really, really have to do well based on his research to have greater business outcomes. And he demonstrated that with his research. And there were three things. 
The first one is set direction, right? Leaders have to set direction. Secondly, leaders have to align people. He didn't say align organizations, align people. You got to align people with the vision. You got to align people with the values. You got to align people with the strategy because none of that stuff happens without the people being aligned. And then the third thing he says that leaders have to do, what leaders really do, uh, who are effective, is that they motivate and inspire people. Wow. And so it's interesting. I took that and I built the course around it. And what I said is that management is the work of the head. Leadership, leading is the work of the heart. You need to say that again. You need to say that again. Oh, my gosh. I'll I'll say that again. (laughs) Managing is the work of the head. Leadership is the work of the heart. You manage spreadsheets. You manage org structures. You manage assets. You manage that stuff. All right. But you lead people. And both are required, by the way. They're complementary. Carter Carter talks about that in his work, you know, and his conclusion from his research was that he believed that U.S. companies, the basis for his research was U.S. companies only at that time, that U.S. companies included in his research, his conclusion was that companies are overmanaged and underled. That allows you to take a step back and say, Who's leading? Who's focused on the people? Who's really setting direction, right? Who's aligning people to the values and to the strategy and the vision so that they connect and they own it, right? Who's focused on inspiration? We can't motivate people. People motivate themselves, but we can create an environment in which people motivate, are more likely to be motivated through inspiration. And so the question is, who's doing that? Hotter's perspective was not enough people. First of all, this is an amazing conversation. And I've got to grab some time with you in the VIP room because my VIPs will absolutely love this. But one of the things that um, has caused me pause and concern, you know, you read these articles throughout your life and you just kind of tuck it away. As my dad used to say, you you file it away and you keep it for later. And I I remember reading that article, what leaders really do. I didn't really remember the details of it. I just remember reading it, remember it being important. And then I had the audacity to write in my book (laughs) that I published a few years back that leaders do only three things. And I thought it was brilliant. I said, leaders really do only three things. They they create a very clear picture of what winning looks like, which sounds very close to Cotter. They identify and remove barriers that might get in the way of winning, which sounds incredibly close to Cotter. And then they inspire people to get on board with helping them achieve their vision. And man, I, I feel like I might need to I might need to cut Cotter a check because <laughs> these principles. You know, there's really nothing new under the sun. Hey, uh, a VP actually he was the president of the division uh, that I worked for for the longest time, and 
he used to say, you know, every year we do these employee um, employee engagement surveys, and the employee engagement surveys tell us the exact same things. Seems like we'd save more money if we stopped doing the surveys and just do what they tell us that we need to do. How much of this do you think is just uh, a reassertion of what you learned from your father? And how much of this is actually new stuff that you picked up from the Cotters of the world, from the the Ken Blanchers of the world, from all these brilliant people? And how much of it is just reflected of, of what you learned working for your dad? Oh, man, that is a good question. So as I answer the question, let me tell you what's running through my mind. I remember sitting in MBA school right, as a student in a corporate strategy course and listening to this professor describe this concept uh, in corporate strategy and me reflecting on as I'm listening, like, this seems a lot like what my dad, Alonzo Pegues, did with an eighth grade education in the tire and rubber business in Memphis, Tennessee, where he did amazing things as an entrepreneur. And so I then asked the question of the professor, made a statement, shared what uh, I'd learned from my dad. And then he said, your dad was brilliant. And then in my mind, I said, I already knew that. (laughs) And so... It, it, it's interesting. Certainly, I lear- I've learned some things in all the environments I've been in, and in, including time in the companies I've worked for and in the schools that I've attended. But I do think there are some fundamental core things around business and people that I learned from my dad. And I've seen them written about, you know, spoken about you know, pontificated on over and over again by people with more flower, flowery language. In fact, terms, some of the things that I've learned the name for, I was in grad school, I was like, oh, my dad called this something else. Okay, I, I got it, <laughs> right? So I think there are people who are leaders. I think they have a gift. I think there are people who are great business people. They're given a gift. And I don't think that the words that are used or, you know, the the environments in which they find themselves um, or the titles that they're given, you know, in an organization have anything to do with the raw material. It is there or it's not. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, uh, that that's about all I'm willing to share for free, because this is you're 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 kicking some VIP type. Uh, information here. So I, I just want to thank you again for having this conversation, not only for having this conversation, but what you continue to do for those coming behind you and the impact that you're having. And, uh, you know, I, I listen to a lot of speakers. Uh, I, I get the opportunity to sit at the feet of a lot of people who are doing it and who have done it. Very few have the ability to Talk about the, the the strategy, the high level strategy, but put it in a language where everyone can understand it. And that's what you continue to do. And uh, I, I suspect that that's why you're having the success that you continue to have. So, uh, man, thank you. Raise your lemonade and we'll, 
we'll toast out on this side and then I'm gonna drag you into the uh, Beyond the Velvet Rope. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, right. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.